join your hosts, Lisa and Ross, as they read Mary Shelley's classic novel. Bear witness to them, pulling apart the myth and exploring the events and the people behind the phenomenon. Welcome to Frankenstein Dissected. Hello, I'm Ross. And I'm Lisa. And today we will be uh, talking about Chapter 3 of Frankenstein. And we're also going to be dissecting the 1931 version of Frankenstein, directed by James Whale. Well done. Which we've just watched. Yes, we've just watched. <laughs> well, should we go, go into the, um, the book first? Yes. Uh, another short chapter. We were just saying short chapters are really helping us do this podcast. Because <laughs> then... Um, because we are both very. How were you about doing homework when you was a kid? Were you? A, uh, did you? Were you a bit of a swat? Or well, you... I actually was a bit of a swat until I turned into a teenager, and then I got highly distracted by other more interesting things than my studies. Yeah. So yeah. I never did my homework ever. Oh. It, I would. I think one time I got something like six detentions in a row because I hadn't. <laughs> Because I managed to get away for it, away with it for, for my physics homework of um, just not doing it for like the whole term. And then at the end, it, it caught, caught up with me. And, oh my gosh, yeah. Ross, you're so naughty. No, just, and now you're such a swat. Well, I think it's one of those things where my parents didn't really kind of um, pay attention to what I was meant to be doing. So it was just a case of, have you got any homework? blame them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just, it comes from within, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> And I think also, I just forgot. I'm just very, you know, I probably was like, my head was in the clouds, worrying about other things. And I know what you were doing. Well, you were thinking about the membership pack for your ghost. My ghost club, Your yeah. ghost club, yeah, maybe. Do, yeah, doing the yeah, research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, See, some, I think that things like that, you know, are more enriching, potentially. Yeah. Everybody or, can sit and learn stuff, can't they? But can can you actually go out by yourself and, and your create research. a group? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, yeah. Start a movement. Start the precursor to Dark Darts. Anyway, podcast, academia is overrated. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I think I probably was spending a lot of time... Recently, I I took my daughter to the library I used to go to because um, it's near where she does this film club. And I said, oh, that's, I used to go to this library every week. And I said, can we go in there and have a look? And it was, it was all... It was very... They've moved everything around in there, mm. but it was very... Sort of, it, was, it was great going back to this place. Because I used to go there every week and I would read books about like this version of Frankenstein and stuff. Like there'd be like books about cult movies or horror movies mm. and stuff in the. And that, that that was that was what I was into rather than learning about convection, heating convection. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, and or boring I, stuff. I worked in a library. Yeah. I had a, a part-time job in a library, really? so I was a librarian. Really, I did yeah. my work experience at that library as well. I loved a library. Yeah, I'd love to go back. I used to get told off all the time in the library for talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I remember go, working, when I was doing my work experience in the library, I was reading this graphic novel about King Arthur coming back. And um, I was reading it in like the break room of another librarian. And I think I had, I just was so conscious that my meat, my, the sound of meat in the sandwich was really loud. And I was trying to, because it was so quiet. It's like that creeping silence. Yeah, but it? she was just sitting there reading her book. And I'm trying to read my book. And all I could hear is my, my mastication of those. <laughs> 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 just, just, 
so I'm, mortified. It was so noisy. I'm going to tell you a story. So when I was working in the library, it was a Saturday. It was when I was doing my A-levels. And obviously you got to know everybody coming in because everybody would come in on the same same mm-hmm. weekend. And there used to be this really gross man who had long, greasy hair. Yeah. This is a really horrible story. Like really long, <laughs> greasy hair. And he was really smelly. And everybody used to sort of like try and avoid booking his books in because it mm. wasn't like, you know, there was no sort of electronic thing. Yeah. It was sort of like, <laughs> yeah, you had those like um, little, little pieces of car, yeah, yeah, little car that you'd sort of check the date. And, yeah. then you'd, and actually, I think when I was there, we went moved over to sort of a more electronic format. Mm. Anyway, this guy, this, this really greasy, smelly guy would bring his books in. Anyway, I was talking to <laughs> this man keeps coming in and he's gross. And she said, Oh, I know who that is. That's the man who um, suffers from coprophilia. What's coprophilia? Coprophilia, I believe. Something to do with shit. Is they eat shit. Oh, so I, I, don't, I don't never, think... ever, ever touched his books again. You might have to edit that. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> I, but it's a, the fact that he suffers from it. It's not. I don't think it's a medical condition. I think it's 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 a choice, isn't it? Oh no, I think it is a condition. Right. I think it is. Well, it has a, a technical term. So Google so yeah. Coprophilia on yeah. a work computer as well. Is it coprophilia? Philia. Wow, how did we get to talking about libraries? <laughs> we haven't even started on the book. It's it quite is, ironic, really. You yeah. were saying you never did your homework. Yeah. And I was saying I got distracted. And now look at us. We're swatting, swatting over. over sp- maybe, is that like regret? Is that I, us I trying think it's to... Deep, I have a deep regret okay. that, I, that I reckon is I could have... Yeah. If I just tried. I so coprophilia is the intense interest and pleasure and feces and defecation. Nice. It, especially as a source of sexual arousement. So, Mr. Coprophilia, I feel like this is all relevant, isn't it? It's yeah. all a bit creepy and dark. Yeah. So, it sort of fits the territory well, of Frankenstein. It's, it's, an, an <laughs> it's all creepy and dark. Coprophilia. Yeah. Well, they, okay, there's no coprophilia in Chapter 3 of Frankenstein. <laughs> How long have we been talking and we haven't even talked about Frankenstein? No, not yet. But, um, so, the summary of this chapter, for me, it's, it's almost like this is... Victor is now um, in Geneva, um, and he's basically become obsessed with um, the natural philosophy. Isn't yes, he? like totally obsessed. Um, he, he's um, going to all of the um, all of the lectures, and he's um, he's reading anything he can get his hands on, um, and um, he's even going to some of the lectures of uh, Monsieur Kremp, who's the one who um, who dismissed him originally, the one he didn't mm. really like. And I like the way that. Um, uh, he talks about his repulsive physiology and, and his repulsive manners. Isn't that funny? Because I actually underlined those three yeah. words. I you was too. like, why would you make a point out of that? Like, why would you make a point out of him being so repulsive? Well, maybe he was a coprophiliac. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the two conversations weave. Yes. <laughs> and, and it also means I can't cut that out now. Because, um, that would make no sense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know whether that was referencing how grotesque the monster's going to be. Mm, maybe. I don't know whether... I, I, I thought it was quite... He might, you know, he could have used one word. He could have said he was quite repulsive, but, he, he you know, he was quite descriptive in it, wasn't yeah. he? So I was thinking, well, what's the point, you know, what's the point you're making? Maybe this is um, based on someone Mary actually knew. Mm. And, um... I like his sarcasm as well, Professor Kremp. Mm. How's Cornelius Agrippa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine. Now, boy. So Ross, how's Cornelius <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
how old has he been to university? He was like he six, was 17, 17 when yeah. he so, went. I, suppose, I think it's quite realistic a little bit. Like, you know, this doesn't, his teacher's like picking on him a little bit. So, yeah. he's, so he's making out like he's. he's this got, is a sly smile. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, I, I quite like that. It shows yeah, a little bit of. Um, a little bit of humour in here. Humour, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good old Mary. So there's one bit I thought was quite interesting because when he starts talking about, um, he then starts getting interested in uh, dissecting and looking at dead things and looking at mm. how uh, what happens to the body when it dies. Um, and he says, um, in my education, my father had taken the greatest precautions that my mind should should be impressed with no supernatural horrors. Yes. Um, which is, I think it's quite interesting because he's saying that, so I wasn't scared of any of these things because I didn't, he was, it's mm-hmm. almost like it from a, a non-supernatural atheistic yeah. sort of position, which it again goes back to the upbringing of Mary Shelley. Um, uh, but also, it's kind of a, a quite far away from the times this was written because mm-hmm. people would have would have had um, some superstition or religious sort of attitudes towards dead dead bodies and and um, yeah, yeah. a respect or a, a fear of the, of of that. But I think that just reinforces his sort of scientific, political frame of mind. Don't you think? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I like the way that he's just... Yeah, and I like the way that he's just... He starts to see the beauty in, like, the, the sort of the circle of life and the way that um, the body then becomes the food for the worms and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and he's kind of, like, looking beyond the the sort of... The repulsion and the kind of um, the societal, uh, the societal norms which pre- prevent certain people going past certain points. Mm. Which um, and there's something which I'm always interested in of like how much of how we behave and and what we do and don't do in life is just there because of this these invisible rules which yeah society has decided like well, you no know, you, you don't touch a dead thing yeah exactly yeah, yeah. or you, you, you don't or go- you have to be fear you're fearful of it yeah um you know it's like uh but i think i think that's that's his sort of he's so inquisitive and he's so driven isn't he mm. um that's and i think so focused on the task that none of that sort of stuff matters mm. really um and also he says later on in the chapter that yeah, you know, you, sh- you you shouldn't really be curious. You should, well, in a in a nutshell, what it's saying is you shouldn't be curious. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't do anything that sort of disrupts your mind or balance. But actually, if you don't do those sorts of things, then great things won't be discovered. Yeah, exactly. And that was interesting. That was one of the few parts. We'll we'll come we'll walk on. We'll go on to talk about the um the film in a moment. But that was one of the few parts from the book which we've read so far we've managed to get into the 1931 version of frankenstein Mm -hmm. where um in the film version he's called henry um rather than victor but he he says you know if if you don't break these taboos if we don't push beyond um the things which are are like seen as decency and things like you're you're never going to create great things and Mm. you're never gonna you're never gonna make any big step forwards yeah i thought that was interesting um, I'm listening to a really good podcast at the moment about um, the uh, Manhattan Pro- uh, Project and talking about uh, the race for the nuclear bomb. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where, like, some of the scientists were saying, you know, I'm, I'm apolitical. I'm just doing this for the, the sake of finding that knowledge. Hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's 
we shouldn't be worried about like who's who's in charge and what's going to happen with these things is for the pursuit of knowledge itself but then but um, isn't that like ai at the moment yeah and there's other people like saying you know but you've got to think about the repercussions of it because but if it gets into the hands of the wrong people yeah. then it could be catastrophic but, and then it turned into a race to stop the nazis mm-hmm. getting it and then um and it's a, almost a case of like you know that it kind of makes that uh an argument that knowledge is the knowledge is going to be found out. Something will be discovered eventually. So, so maybe it's better that you just you just go ahead and do it mm. and hope uh, and try and make sure that the it's used for the right reasons. But mm-hmm. I feel like um, in this, Victor is just looking for knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Yeah, um, I think he's just naturally inquisitive. Yeah, you know, he really wants to understand. This sort of how life happens mm. and, and that yeah he's so driven by science and you know his curiosity so he's actually a really intelligent guy who's incredibly curious who's actually been exposed to a lot of these sort of philosophies and thought processes and he's adding all those three together mm. and he's just pushing and pushing and pushing himself yeah and it's one of those and he also talks about the pleasure and the excitement he gets. So every time you learn something, <clears throat> it leads you to learning something else, mm. and that leads you to learning something else. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost it kind of almost. He said, "I can feel that my body is kind of wasting away, and I'm not looking after myself." But, mm. I, but, but the pleasure I'm getting from that knowledge mm-hmm. is almost like uh, it's almost like a drug. The the thing that got me is that he was like you were saying he becomes so engrossed in his work that he doesn't look after himself and he talks about the stars you know turning into daylight because he's so sort of captivated by his work so and he also earlier on says that he's he he doesn't notice the changes in nature he's not noticing the seasons you know he's not noticing this thing this circle of life yet he's actually trying to work out how to give life so it's a real sort of um, I, it's opposites, isn't it? He's like, not seeing the wood for the trees, almost. He's not seeing the thing that is fascinating because he's so engrossed in his work. Yeah. To to almost like act like God. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know why I'm saying that because it's not God that created nature. Sorry, it sounds like I'm religious. I'm no, no, no. Like, sorry, like act like a creator. Yeah, yeah. He's almost like ignoring crea- creation. And, yeah, um, yeah. But then they talk about, and this is quite interesting that. He just says something happened, and I learned that I learned yes. the magic. Uh, learned, I learned the secret of life, but he goes on to say, "But I, I can't say what it is mm. because." And he said, "Because like, the moral of the story is going to explain why mm-hmm. I shouldn't be telling you how I found it and what it is." What did you do when you read that? I was like, "Oh, that's a bit of a cop out." No, but did you go? I because I had to reread that page because mm. I was thinking, "Oh, have I missed something?" Yeah. So um, I, re- I was thinking, "Oh, maybe he has said what it is." So and, yeah. it's, and it's so ingrained into you that it's something to do with electricity because of the films mm. and mm-hmm. that. But it's it's not. And then what, mm. I did some research and they said that they he never in the book they never explain what the process is of how the how life is put on. And it's almost like mm, okay. it's it's a secret and it's, it's like magic. It's magic and it's a, it's it's hidden because it's, it's and it's it's such a dangerous piece of knowledge that he, he cannot even talk about it in when he's um putting oh, that but, but whereas if you're making a film of it mm-hmm. you've got to show something and they were saying yeah. 
Uh, apparently, most versions, most film versions, it's electricity. Um, but there's some versions of it where it's like sunlight. It's something to do with sunlight. And I think in the film version we watched today, he starts talking about um, something beyond ultraviolet light. He said, oh, we thought that ultraviolet was the, the furthest, um, the furthest you could, uh, range of um, mm. the light spectrum. But there's something beyond that. And it's something to do with electricity, something to do with lightning. Um, but again, they don't go into too much detail about it. But mm. it's interesting that, um, yeah. you know, that is... The book, the book version is just like it's like a a taboo, a, 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 a hidden secret. But do you think that? Um, do you think that they? Do you think that electricity was used because everybody knows where, how the book was written? Not like the, 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 the storms, the and storms, and there was like a big electric storm, and mm. so. And they do talk. And about they do earlier, reference the storm earlier in the book. Yeah, and they talk. Uh, they talk about the lightning hitting the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about. They talk about experiments being done where they reanimated uh, mm-hmm. um, de- uh, an- animals' bodies with electricity. Mm. So maybe um, when they did adaptations, and they go, well, it, yeah, it makes sense to take those it elements. It would be of it. Log- it would be understood and accepted that that would be a sort of force yeah. for life. Yeah. Whereas, but. Something I've learned from reading this that they never actually say what that magic is. Mm. But then, um, then he talks about now he wants to create a creature in order to to mm. bring it alive. And he he said as the minuteness put it together from dead bodies of the parts formed a great hindrance to my speed. I resolved, contrary to my first intention, to make him make the being of a gigantic stature, that is to say, about eight feet high. And proportionally large. After having formed this determination and having spent some months in, su- in successfully collecting and arranging my materials, I began. So I love the fact that he's been hanging out in a morgue. Yeah, well, it's not a morgue, really, is it? It's like a place where dissections I... and all that kind of stuff. Well, I looked up what Charnel House, Charnel, sorry, yeah. Charnel House is. What a Charnel House was. Yeah. And apparently, if the graveyard became too packed, mm. they would dig up the bodies. It was a sort of consecrated building All right. that they would put the bodies in that had been previously buried All right. to make room for new bur- burials. So it's almost like to kind of like compre- compress the space and stuff. And that's yeah. Like, yeah, but I didn't realise that but sometimes when you get a um, a grave, a grave, you only have it for a certain amount of time. I didn't know that. Uh, and then they... Uh, hence the charnel house. Yeah, and then they move, move you on and then yeah. make room for someone else. But I guess because um, the average life expectancy was so low yeah. in those days, they had to... Yeah, and also... There's like, only a certain amount of room, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, and when you look at some graveyards, you think, no. you know, this only makes... only means something to some people for, like, mm. how many years? And then the, all the people who remember who that person is, is, is yeah. long gone. And So if you ever see a building in a graveyard, yeah. that was the charnel house. Yeah, and that's where Vic- Victor Wayne got all his parts. But I love the fact he's just, oh, yeah, I'm going to spend some time in there and... Yeah. You know, with all these decomposing bodies. But for me, it's though, I've written weird, here, why it? is he building a body? Why don't you just, like, reanimate a whole body rather than... So it feels like because, he's, he's, he's trying to create life. But, like, in the, um again, the film version, he's talking about, like, this is... They said, uh, I'm not reanimating a dead thing. I'm mm. making life. Yeah. But he's effectively making it out of parts of dead things, isn't it? But I think that's because he wanted it to be... Unique. It, 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 he wanted it to be his creation. Yeah. If it was like a body that he had just reanimated, 
that had existed already yeah, so, in so, a form. So he needed to create something that was a bit, a bit of a extra, mashup. Isn't it? It's this kind of like he's got such a massive ego. Yeah, it's making it's making <laughs> it's making way too much work for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love the fact he says. When I found so astonishingly a power placed within my hands, I hesitated a long time concerning the manner in which I should employ it, although I possessed the capacity of bestowing animation, yet in, yet to prepare a frame for the reception of it with all its intricacies of fibres, muscles and veins still remained a work of inconceivable difficulty of la and labour. Mm. I'm glad he's having a touch of the reality, like a bite of the reality yeah. sandwich, as my, one of my old bosses would say. Yeah. He's <laughs> started this thing and going, oh, fucking, that's going to take me ages to actually. <laughs> bodies are actually more complicated than I thought they are. <laughs> it's just sort of one of those things. I bet you, like, it took ages, like, putting together the head, and it's like, and then I just put, like, free body. The rest <laughs> I got was, a bit bored. Yeah. I just, like, threw the rest of it together. That's probably why he gave him a square head. Yeah, a square head, yeah. He couldn't get it round. It's like when you're trying to like do a bit of like sculpting, you're like, oh, it's not quite right. I'll fucking slam the mache balloon face. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've written sassy here. I was just trying to work out what I mean, but then it, I think it's the letter he got from his dad. It said, I know that while you're pleased with yourself and you think of us with affection and we shall hear... And we shall hear regularly from you. You must pardon me if I regret my interruption into your correspondence as a proof of your other duties are equally neglected. So it's kind of like he's saying, "Well, I know you're just having a you're, you're way too busy for us, but um, and I hope that reading my letter to you is not going to um take up more of your your time doing the other things you when you should be like writing to us to let us know what you're doing." <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to come back to the point I made about the fact that. Even though he's trying to recreate nature, I guess mm. he says um, the summer months passed while I the summer months passed while I was thus engaged, heart and soul in one pursuit. It was a most beautiful season. Never did the fields bestow a more plentiful harvest, or the vines yield a more luxuriant vintage. But my eyes were insensible to the charms of nature, and the same feelings which made me neglect neglect the scenes around me caused Forge forget those friends who were so many miles absent and mm. whom I had not seen for a long time. Mm. Utter obsession yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, but also, is that, like my eyes were insensible, insensible to the charms of nature, is that a sort of nod to like rejecting romanticism a little bit as well? Sure. I don't know. I was just thinking like the romantic movement was all about that, wasn't mm. it? And mm. is it saying that like prior to that it was um more about science? Mm -hmm. So is this sort of you know, is this a a sort of crossroads between science Yeah like it, science like, factual, you yeah. know, and then the more sort of romantic side of like nature and life. Mm. And that that, that that obsession on on just doing something for the sake of doing it makes you you almost like you forget to to actually enjoy being alive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, you would be though, wouldn't you? Yeah, just well, I think, as a, I think just, everyone's kind of like had as... had an obsession in their life, and then they just wake up morning one morning like, well, why why did I do that? You know, why why was I? And it's just, you know, I ran my own business for 10 years and I, I think half the time I absolutely loved it. The rest of the time it was just like, this is really hard mm. and, and, and 
you know, I'm not getting paid enough for doing this. And, and I think it's one of those things and you, one day you, just re- you realize I don't actually have to do this anymore. Yeah. And why, why, why have I, you, I think human beings are very good at convincing themselves that they're stuck. Yeah. And but that, also, I think also that hyper-focus, like, you know, being so hyper-focused on something is, sorry, just talking back to the, um, What's the dude's name again? Victor Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, slightly on the spectrum, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. And mm-hmm. that, that hyper obsessiveness about things, this particularly. Mm. But then if you sort of take a like a step back and go, the guy is 19. Mm-hmm. He's basically building a body. Yeah. That's quite extreme, isn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> that's that's quite an extreme thing to do. Yeah. So I think it would consume you, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like it's when you like hear about different serial killers and stuff, and they get to the point where yeah. it's like, I've gone too far now. You know, I've got to carry on with this. I don't want anyone to come up to the room for the body parts uh, because it becomes there every day, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But also, it's a case of like how do I stop this? And I can't tell anyone about what I'm doing here because mm. um, it, this is, this is. And I, I don't think I can stop because I would see it as a personal failure. Yeah. Coming back to what you're saying about you become so obsessed with stuff and you actually think I don't do, I don't need to do this. Yes. Yeah. You need someone to turn around and tell you, um, yeah, there are, there are other things. But uh, there was nobody in Victor's life, no, was there? Completely... Because he had cut himself off. Yeah. From everybody. And being away from home as well, I think that is the big thing. All the people who love him aren't near him. But you'd think, actually, wouldn't you think that he'd want to share that? Because if we go back to his family life and how it was pitched as very, very sort of um, quite idyllic, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, his mum died, didn't she? Yeah. But like, um, it, it, it did appear quite idyllic. And he had friends and he got on well with Elizabeth. And was it Elizabeth? So. Yeah. Um, you think that he'd want to share something like that, Bec- but, I, but, uh, but that I, means I that he that, actually knows he's in the wrong. I was going to say, deep down, he knows. This, you know, he shouldn't be doing. Yeah, it. Even though he's saying, "I got," you know, there's no kind of. Super, I've got no superstition or, mm. or no uh, moral hang-ups about digging bodies up and stuff. And you, but you're kind of hiding it from people. Mm. So yeah. But don't you think he'd want to have like a sidekick or somebody to like a Fritz? Ah, oh, Fritz. Mm-hmm. To just sort of bounce ideas off, you know, mm-hmm. go, you know, when we work together, it's like you wouldn't go, oh, I'm going to do a campaign for yeah. blah, without, yeah. I've, like, you know, you talk about it yeah, and those discussions. Flat head or round head? <laughs> but I those discussions would lead to a better creative product, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's his faux pas. Yeah. Maybe that's why it all went wrong because he didn't collaborate. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't a yellow, was he? So you talk about, the, I don't. I, he was a blue. He was a red so, blue. So what is this this colour theory? What's it called? Oh, so this this colour theory, depending on who what sort of uh personality profile you have. Right. And there are four colours. So mm-hmm. there's red, yellow, green, and blue. Okay. And in a nutshell, red is very target driven, okay. um, quite aggressive, um, quite forthright and quick decision making. Yeah. Yellow is very creative, yeah. team oriented. Green is all about um being caring and considerate 
and thinking about the impact on others. And blue is totally um, data driven. Okay. Everything's data. Everything's data. So it's so Victor, red, are, blue is he? So, so everybody is a combination. You have like you have elements of each four. Of, you have elements of each of the colours, mm. but you mainly major in one. So you're you're normally two, but you're major and then minor. Mm-hmm. So. So what would Victor be? So I think Victor would be. That's very difficult, actually. He's. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I think there's definitely some blue in there. Yeah. And a Maybe bit of blue, red. Re- blue, red. Yeah. So yeah. Primary blue. Primary blue. Yeah. Minor. And major, a... re- major blue, minor red. And is that the people you said you really can't get on with? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm. I don't. I. I clash with red, blue. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Red, blue, not blue, red. Okay. So. Right. So yeah. I've, I've done something similar, and it just said I'm like Tyrion Lannister of Game of Thrones. So. I'm going to have to go and look. I have to, have to translate into a colour for you. Well, I, once I've read this book, which is pretty much the same theory, mm-hmm. I'll pass it on to you. Cool. I think Beck's got it on her desk over there. Yeah. But mine came across as like a, a Machiavellian introvert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I basically um, make other, other people do what I want them to do. Yeah. Anyway, so it says Sounds Ross, right. forcing Lisa to come around his house and do a podcast. <laughs> and then, Read this book. <laughs> I didn't have to say yes. No. <laughs> uh, so. Machiavellian introvert. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. He knows that it's, but it, it's he's getting to the point that um, it's not sustainable uh, the way he's acting and behaving. Mm. But it's he needs to complete it. He's he he, he needs to make this thing finish. Yeah. So that's the end of chapter three. And we are in it. Pretty much where the film of Frankenstein begins. The the original, well, not the original, the uh, the 1931 version of Frankenstein pretty much ignores the first uh, two chapters and all the background about um, Frankenstein. We just go into the fact that there is this... um, They called him Henry Frankenstein because they didn't think Victor was a name which American audiences would Mm. would like. Um, and he's pretty much obsessed already in, in, in building yeah. something, and he's 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 um he's ignoring his best friend, and he's ignoring his um his uh, bride to be, uh, and they they're worried about him, and they want to go up to the car- castle or the um the watchtower mm. where he he's um being based. And um, how long was the film? It was uh, it wasn't just over an hour. Yeah, it's just over an hour. It's not mm. very long, but. There was no sort of build-up to it. We, as you said, we were straight in. Yeah, we had a little um, bit at the I, beginning where there was like a warning to say this film is going to be really quite horrific, and you know mm. you might want to leave now. You have been warned, which I thought was quite a, a nice comical. touch. Yeah, <laughs> but as we said, everything's relative, isn't it? Yeah. So, like you know, to a nineteen thirty-one audience mm. watching that, that was that was quite revolutionary. Yeah, and I think there was a point when you first saw the makeup for the first time. Yeah. You was actually quite impressed by it. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was I thought the monster was the best bit about it. Yeah, and you can see how that's influenced a lot of horror movies. Definitely, like we were saying, like Michael Myers, uh, yes. Michael Myers, yes. of Halloween, and you know that freaky, scary man who's very sort of uh, what's the word non communicative, yes. apart from grunts and silly noises. Yeah, 
quite dominant. Um, they called, yeah. they, he, he was originally called the shape in the original Frankenstein, and you can see that that outline. Yeah, is, is, is very kind of um, particularly towards uh, women. That could be a very sort of imposing mm. sort of a scary scary form. But then I suppose that's like Nosferatu, isn't it? Mm. That was a shadow. Yeah, that that was like a it's real about the silhouette, isn't huge it? emphasis about the silhouette, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah. But I thought the most horrific thing about that film was, are we allowed to talk about the film yeah, and what of course, happens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the drowned child. Yeah, there was t- yeah, like, there was two you know, moments where I felt like the humour sort of went out of the room a bit when you you saw the the, the drowned child being sort of being carried. To yeah, that would never ever that you wouldn't see that now. No, it, you uh, wouldn't see it. It's very it looked quite realistic as well, didn't it? The it was way really she was, realistic. Was yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought really disrespectful. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, con- considering that they were, like, putting a warning yeah. on it for being really um, horrific and frightening because yeah. of, a, a, like, a, like a, a, man a monster. Yeah. And and I thought that was the most harrowing thing. Yeah. And I, I, I tried to show my kids this version of the film, and that's the, the bit I showed them. And, I, and afterwards, I kind of regretted it mm. um, because yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, but, but I thought Boris Karloff was incredible. Yeah. Because I had no, like, I hadn't, I had no expectations. I didn't know what I was watching. I met, you said it's Boris Karloff. So I had a certain amount of understanding about who Boris Karloff was and, mm. and you know, how important he'd been in horror films. Mm. But I mean, what a great actor. Yeah. And it's, and it's what an amazing very actor. Physical, wasn't it? And it he was the best actor in that thing, yeah. in, that, in that film. Yeah. And he didn't have a line of dialogue. Yeah. No. But we were saying, so the bit when he sees the sunlight for the first time, that was, that was great. I think he mm. did that really well. I think, um, it's like mime. Yeah, it was. It's, you know, it's so close to silent cinema. Anyway, so that's, mm. we were saying a lot of the kind of the, the sort of the blocking of the characters were very stagey. Like people were like w- walking to front of stage and, and, mm. and that kind of stuff. And um, whereas I felt for me, uh, it was a little bit hokey. But for me, the bit at the end when he was being um, burnt in the uh, trapped inside the the windmill and they were setting fire to it. I thought that was a really great depiction of of like of like a simple person or an animal just being terrified by the flames and mm. being trapped. I thought that was a really great piece of um yeah yeah acting um, until it got sped up and the beam fell on top of him. That that sort of took me out of it a mm. little bit. But I thought that was quite distressing. And apparently, um, Bella Lugosi, who was um, uh, Dracula, was offered the part of the monster originally. And the original um, uh, script had him being a lot more animalistic and not and very sort of uh, aggressive, mm. and not not sympathetic at all. So he turned the part down, and then um, then uh, when James Whale got the script, he wanted to make the the, the monster more sympathetic. Um, and we were just, we were saying some of the bits where uh, Fritz was just, who was like the, the hunchback assistant, mm. what you would you know. I'd be interested. I, I always thought he was he was going to be called Igor because I thought that or Igor. I thought mm. that's where it came from. So it'd be interesting to see where that came from. Maybe mm. it's one of the sequels. Um, but why he why he was written into it? Yeah. Why why there was any need for a uh, disformed disformed or disabled character. disformed yeah. disabled character? Yeah. That like it didn't really make any sense to me. No, because it, it, it wasn't in the book. No, and we were saying that it was almost like. He was treated. He was treated like an animal. He was almost like a an animal sidekick, and mm. um, but I think they needed someone to be cruel to the to the, the monster. And having this sort of like uh, 
that sort of envy. Yeah, and also, yeah, you said envious on there, and I just thought like it was just putting across as this sort of like cruel, um, low moral, low intelligent character mm. could treat the monster that mm. badly. Um, but I was saying, you know, that just reminded me of some of the um, the footage you see with like the horrible mm. sort of stuff when they do an expose of like um, a care a, home, a care home mm. or, or something where yeah, yeah. these people just treat people who can't fight back who, who mm. um inhumanely and it just mm. that that kind of um it's almost like it's like there was a definite hierarchy wasn't there yeah so there was frank um henry frankenstein or henry yeah there was fritz yeah. and then there was the monster yeah and then the monster started exerting his sort of authority so fritz was having to try and sort yeah. of stamp him down a little bit yeah and then he got hung that was got, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like, when did the monster learn to dry, tie a noose? Yeah, we you get said, oh, he's gonna he's gonna pull Fritz's head off, and I said, yeah, that'd be great. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But um, that's, yeah, that's right. And actually, to what they could do. And also, what was in the ceiling to hang it up on? It was one of hang the, him up on the many crooked beam, uh, beams from the sort of German expressionistic. There were a lot of flaws. Yeah, there were a lot of flaws. But, um, but no, the 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 hero of the film was definitely Boris Karloff. Yeah. So was it better or worse than you imagined you thought it was going to be? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. It was. I think it was over over quick enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny. Like, yeah. and and when you're watching something like that, you have to just sort of remember or try. Not you can't remember. You have to. Um, everything's relative, yeah. isn't it? You've got to put yourself in the. You have to put yourself absolutely. In the shoes, if you can, but you yeah. can't, of the people of the time watching that. Because, you know, everything's so accessible these days, isn't it? We watch films mm. and content in so many different formats. But they would have gone specifically to the cinema to have seen that. There would have been a yeah. lot of talk. It would have been like the one film yeah. in the month. Yeah, It'd be like when Jaws was released in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one film people were talking about. Whereas, yeah. like, everyone's talking about, oh, are you watching Black Mirror? Are you watching this? Are you watching yeah. that? What, you know, everyone's like watching a multitude of things. Yeah. Whereas that would have been the one thing. And the fact it spawns so many sequels and such an iconic mm. like creature, uh, I think that that is, is so ingrained into our... You know, there's going to be, I would say, 99% of the population would never have seen that version of the film. No. But they, if you said, what does Frankenstein look like? Everyone would be able to draw yeah, him. Yeah, they could draw yeah. that, that, so that iconic makeup. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. I was reading that. It's still, that, that look of Frankenstein is under copyright for Universal to 2026. So it'd be in, so no one can make another version of Frankenstein looking like that. Right. Um, so it'd be interesting to see when that comes into public domain, what mm. they can do. Have you seen that? Because Winnie the Pooh's come out of um, public into public. I hadn't seen now. that. So they've made, someone's made a horror movie of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, that's really clever. Yeah, so that's quite... I was just I was just thinking about that. Um, wouldn't it be great to go back to that time where there was only like a certain amount of films? Yeah. That that brought the nation together. Yeah, it would be. To be I, so behind me, I've got a poster of the Ghost of Frankenstein, which is um, one of the the many sequels. I think Lon Chaney. It's playing the monster in that one, but I got that because um, I didn't need to turn around. Um, so if the voice, the sound went a bit crap. Then the reason I got that is because there was a picture on Twitter of the all the promotional material they did from that game when that came out of the cinema. So all the big paintings and all the billboards and all that kind of stuff. And I just said to Beck, I would love to have been 
alive then mm. and to go to the cinema and, and watch yeah, yeah. one of these films there and to see like the hype and all that kind of stuff around it. And that's kind of like, yeah. But it's there's so much stuff now. Like even when I was a kid, like there would be well, I've got some of the books on the shelf here. Like if you were into horror films, it was like, okay, well, here's the book of horror fi- about horror films and like so all the horror films everyone's seen would be there's there was a uh, there wasn't so many of them that like you couldn't just have them in a book and go, okay, well, these are like the... Hi, the it's Ross from the General Witchfinders. Did you know that I also seen. do another Whereas podcast now, like, with my friend David? Hello. Well, I had fun. Anyway, if you're into anything, our own supernatural research and investigations in our home county of Dorset. So, if you think that's up your street, why don't you give it a listen? It's Dark Darset, D-A-R-Z-E-T. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. It's not Well, yeah, and and there's no they're trying to get a shared experience, but <laughs> the fact you know, and sorry, people, what podcast? So we started a, uh, like a, a little group called the Killers Club for people who are into like um, killing, 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 and, <laughs> so and true crime. But so that we can all listen to the same podcast, so that we can all talk about it. Because otherwise, you're going, oh, "Have you heard this one? No, mm. I haven't." And then and then you're worried about like spoiling each other because you don't want to talk about the thing the other person hasn't heard yet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone off on some well tangents. Yeah, tans- we've some, yeah, some popular, yeah, some yeah. weird tangents. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed watching it. And, it was um, good. Okay, so we are probably going to do films every like four or five episodes. Yeah. So then we don't have to, don't have to do good. so much reading. I yeah, can see yeah, Lisa's yeah. falling asleep here. No, it's I'm quite not. Late. <laughs> well, maybe we'll wrap it up for tonight though. Sorry. <laughs> it makes a nice change from studying like the background. Yeah, of, of Percy Bish Shelley. <laughs> Percy Bish Shelley. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and the curry was good too. Cool, yeah. So, curry and Frankenstein. Amazing. All right. Well, until next time, thank you for joining us and we will be continuing on with Frankenstein next time and. And a on. proper skeleton as well. That's a, a dog skull. Nice. So. Next time, oh, next time we, we are going to be doing chapter four, but we'll also be um, looking at the life of Boris Karloff. Amazing. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah, oh, I'm super excited about that. Wicked. Okay. Yay. Until then. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Happy day. Bye. <laughs> you have been listening to Frankenstein and follow us on Twitter at Frank Dissected. If you enjoyed this, please tell your friends and leave us a review wherever you found us. Until next time. Hi, it's Ross from the General Witchfinders. Did you know that I also do another podcast with my friend David? Hello. Well, I had phones before that. You're not taking this seriously, Ross. David and I do our own supernatural research and investigations in our home county of Dorset. So, if you think that's up your street, why don't you give it a listen? It's Dark Darset, D-A-R-Z-E-T. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. It's not now.